0: Good morning, fellow human people. Welcome to another episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. Sorry it's been so long since the last episode. I know it's only been two weeks. It's hardly the longest break we've had, but it's been a weird two weeks. And it's been a weird few months. And it's been a weird year, couple of years. Honestly, it's been a weird lifetime. Uh, I think we all, as as the human race altogether, have had just an odd time of it uh, for the last um, millennia. Uh, Anyway, I'm drinking coffee. Mm, Loud slurping noises. Oof, that's nice and lukewarm. I'm going to top off. Give me some of that good liquid pouring ASMR. Yeah. Yeah, that's the shit right there. Okay. So, what's been going on the last two weeks? Well, uh, two weeks ago, I was sick. Uh, my roommate, whom I love and have no criticism of whatsoever, uh, got me sick, this son of a bitch. Uh, he didn't mean to, obviously. It's not like he sneezed into my open mouth. But we do live in the same house. We do come into contact with each other on a, on occasion that sounded way more suggestive than it was meant to, but that's, we can't, this is podcasting. I can't edit that out. Uh, I got sick and I was, uh, just, blah, blah, you know, sick, your throat sick, didn't feel like talking all the time. And then the week after that, there was, um, there was a construction right outside my damn house. And, uh, I, I was optimistic they were putting in a sidewalk, but instead I guess they were just putting in a uh, like a pipeline. So now there's just dirt, and it's just dirt, so that's a shame. But uh, yeah, that was happening right outside our house for a couple of days in a row, and that made good audio basically impossible to get. And so I just... I, did, I needed some time uh, to work on other stuff. I released my first new YouTube video... In over three months And it was about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood The new Quentin Tarantino movie And uh, as always I thought it was garbage And then it came out And people thought it was fine I really need to learn To be nicer to myself And uh, not be so hypercritical Of everything that I make So uh, That came out And that was a sudden thing I didn't plan on doing that, but I had I went to see that movie. I didn't like it. I had some thoughts, and I just filmed it and released it that week. Uh, and I already have another video that's filmed that I've got to edit, and there are ideas that are floating around, and I feel more confident. You know, I'm, I'm back on medication. Yesterday, I doubled up on my Lamotrigine, which is my bipolar meds. I'm in the process of uh, ramping up to my old dosage. Lamotrigine is... A medication that can cause a rash that is really bad if you start at too high of a dose uh too soon, and that rash can just straight up murder you, just kill you on the spot. That's not exactly true, but that it 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 can be fatal if untreated. So my uh my new uh psychiatrist, you know, said, well, we'll, we'll start you just small and we'll ramp you up. So I was at 25 milligrams a day. Uh, for two weeks. And now I'm up to 50 milligrams a day for two weeks. And then I'll be up to 100 uh, in two weeks. And uh, that'll be back to my old dosage. So part of why it's been two weeks since my last episode is that I had started this Lamotrigine, which I was in an emotionally fucked up place two weeks ago. And I think the episode before that, you'll he, I talked about how I was in an emotionally rough spot. Uh, Lamotrogen is a mood stabilizer, or it works as a mood stabilizer. It's meant as an anticonvulsant, but it works as a, sta- a mood stabilizer as well for people with bipolar. I uh, the The funny thing about it is that when you start it, it causes your emotions to kind of go out of whack. At least it does for me. So it's one of those things where it makes the problem a little bit worse before it makes it better. And I'm in this wonderful kind of hell zone where I know that I am going to just have a bad time for the next month and a half. Because instead of letting my body get used to a particular dosage, I keep having to ramp it up. So I'm expecting the next couple of days for me to be like really overly emotional and just generally all kinds of uh, clingy sending many messages to my girlfriend saying, like, do you really love me? Are you sure? And, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then I'll get used to it, and then I'll have to double up again, and it'll be a bad time again, again. Uh, so that's kind of where I am emotionally. Um, but, you know, two weeks of a break is long enough, and I figured it's time to uh, to come back. And do the podcast again. The podcast that is partially my job. Uh, One of two podcasts that I'm now a host on. Wow. We'll get to that uh, in a bit. But for now, what else? Let me see. HRT updates. Uh, I think the last time I updated you all, I said, oh, my tits are getting bigger. Well, they are. They are. It's nice. It's also hard to go out in public. I'm, you know, I've talked about this before. I'm reaching that point where uh, it's harder to play off uh, breast size as part of being overweight. And um, I guess in a, in a sort of cursed blessing, I have gained some weight over the last few months. Uh, uh, although, so I was feeling particularly gross and disgusting after a few weeks of just like not being able to cook for myself and like basically subsisting entirely on pizza And I weighed myself and I'm still like right at 200 pounds. I was totally expecting to be like like 10 to 15 pounds heavier, if not more. So that was a nice bit of an emotion boost of like, oh, I'm not. Things aren't as bad as I thought they were. I'm not I'm not the 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 monster that I thought I was, which being overweight doesn't make you a monster. This is just how our brains work. Our brains are bad, and culture teaches us that any body variation away from the norm makes you gross and disgusting, which is untrue. But it's really hard to unprogram that feeling anyway. Sometimes I feel like my hair is filling in. Sometimes I'm certain that it is not. You know, I've been on finasteride now for two months. Uh, I actually ran out today, and I have to go pick it up uh, later today. And I'm in Oklahoma in the summer. It has been right around a 100 degrees Fahrenheit every single day for the last month, and I have to walk uh, not a not a, a long walk, but it's like 20, 25 minutes to get to where my or um, my prescriptions are. and it's like a 15 minute walk to get to the grocery store in the opposite direction. so I can't exactly um, do both. Uh, in one trip, especially with like, like not with the heat, the way that it is. And, uh, like I walked to the grocery store yesterday, finally, and I just felt like I was dying the entire time. And part of that was just that I've been sitting in my fucking chair for the last like two or three weeks. Like I barely had my heart rate up at all. I got to start exercising more, y'all. But anyway, I got to pick up, I got to pick up my finasteride. Uh, It's way past time for that. Um, but I, uh. I, I have a bad habit of not picking up my medications uh, until like I've already run out because I don't want to leave the house because it's way too damn hot and I need to fix my bike. But that costs money, y'all. I've had my bike in our fucking laundry room this entire time. And like, you know, one of the spokes is fucked up and it's the tires are flat and like I've got to get it to the bike shop, which would be a pain because I just have to walk it and uh so i I need to I need to get that done, but it costs money, it costs time, and who's gonna refresh Twitter if I'm not around? but I mean, my hair is longer uh I haven't cut it since I wanna say November December was when I last cut it. I can't quite remember. I might have trimmed it earlier this I might have trimmed it in like January, but I can't like I said I can't remember. Uh, so my hair is growing out. I'm, it's, it's a weird situation because of course the top sort of landing strip on my head is significantly thinner than the rest. It's still there. It's not bad, but I kind of have to, I kind of have to do a bit of, uh, put a bit of English on it to, to fill in some of those spots so that you're not just seeing straight through my hairline. And of course my hairline is fairly high, but in the pictures that I've posted, people have complimented me, and I choose to believe that they're doing so because they actually believe what they're saying, and not because uh, I'm an internet person on the internet uh, who says things they agree with, therefore they're complimenting me out of a sense of obligation. So, I don't know. I've been feeling really gross um, in, the, in, in the eternal trans mood of... Uh. My, I need to get laser hair removal started again. Uh, my facial hair has kind of started filling in a little bit more. And, you know, with with the fact that the rest of my body has been feminizing now for a little over a year, uh, it it, it is increasingly becoming more disharmonious, the fact that my facial hair is messed up. And so, um, I, I, I really need to. Do another thing and get get laser hair removal started up again. Uh, But like transportation is always an issue and exposing myself to other human beings is always an issue. Social anxiety as always, you know how it is. is that how that is how it be. That does. It does what it do. We millennials, eh? Yeah. Anyway, that's my HRT update. I'm going to get us into the topic at hand. How long have we been going? How What are we looking at? 12 minutes? Hell yeah, that's not too bad. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this relatable hashtag transgender content because we're kind of moving on from transgender stuff today, and I'm just going to talk about a thing that I have some feelings about and that I have some insight into, and it might be a little bit late, uh, to to talk about this, but I I want to weigh in regardless because it's it's morning you know it's ten thirty a.m. at on uh, August fifth, which is the day this episode will go out, and uh, I, I I I don't know I'm feeling uh, feeling a little spunky feeling kind of like I want to uh, punch God in the face, which is appropriate because the person who asked this question uh, almost a month ago <laughs> on my Discord, which yes I have a Discord and uh, you can get access to it by donating to my patreon.com slash L-T-A-S I need to ask the Lunar Light folks how acceptable it is to promote my Patreon when I should be promoting our Patreon patreon.com slash Lunar Light HQ uh hmm anyway so uh yeah this, is, this question comes from Artemis Bear Queen uh who's a regular on my live streams and on the discord and they're somebody that I uh, frequently hear from and quite like Uh, Artemis asks, do you think there are some grim implications to the way left-wing content functions a lot like any other online media fandom, and perhaps more could be done by leftist media, like Lefty YouTube, to redirect people towards more direct action? And I wish to point out that there are three react emotes uh, of transgender Donkey Kong, that is Donkey Kong in, uh, with, uh, redone with the colors of the transgender flag, uh, which I, I, I agree with in this particular instance. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and click and make that a solid four. There we go. All right. Y'all let's talk about left tube. So I'm a YouTuber. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called let's talk about stuff. Mm, If you know me from anything, you probably know me from uh, the my politics, of the McElroy video or my in defense of ContraPoints video, I have styled myself th- for the last two years. Bas- so, OK, first, before we talk about what left tube is, um, well, actually, yeah, let's define left tube. Uh, there are a couple of different names. Uh, I prefer left tube, uh, I guess, because it 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 tells you exactly what it is. It's just leftist YouTubers. But there's also bread tube, named after the bread book by Kropotkin, uh, that is like uh, uh, more more specific, more specific in its like ideological implications. But generally, they're red is like synonymous with each other. Left tube and bread tube, and I guess bread tube rolls off the tongue a little bit better. But when you say left tube, I think that that uh, that's easier to parse. From the perspective of somebody who isn't necessarily educated in what like the excuse me the common themes are in like leftist spaces, so the people that fall under this uh this this moniker, it's important to recognize that there was a left tube movement in the early days of YouTube that more or less kind of collapsed, and I actually don't know much about it. There's like an old old guard that I don't really know much about at all. Uh, but the the group that brought a lot of people together would be H uh, Bomber Guy, Contrapoint, Stan Olson, and Lindsey Ellis are like the four big ones. And there's a lot of other ones that are sort of like sub in there. You've got Sean. You've got uh, Three Arrows. I would say is like in there. I feel like he started a little bit later. Maybe he was inspired by Sean, but that might have more to do with when I encountered him. I don't know. But uh, with the four main ones in my in my pr- perspective, uh, they're just YouTubers or, or or they were at the start. They were just YouTubers who were making normal stuff like Lindsay Ellis has been at the game for a very long time. Uh, so is Dan Olson. They've both had channels uh, for for ages. And. The thing that happened is that I think H-Bomber Guy got big, Lindsay got big, ContraPoints got very big, Dan Olson got big. They all had like hits and people who watched one of their things because the content was kind of similar in terms of uh, political leanings, in terms of more trying to highlight media that we love um, and and also having a sense of humor and presentation and having like, more ambition aesthetically. I think people watching those videos tended to find them similar and then group them together. And as a result of that, uh, they all kind of became friends. And so uh, this this seems to be less the case these days, and I think it's because everybody's so, so damn busy since they got successful. But uh, there was a period maybe a year and a half, two years ago, where it was like, anytime somebody needed voices in their videos to read like quotes they would just get another left tuber to do it so you have contrapoints and dan and Lindsay showing up in h bomber guy videos they're basically friends who make kind of leftist content that uh, uh people as fans sort of arbitrarily grouped together and that to me is like the birth of breadtube lefttube where they did not start a movement. They were just YouTubers who happened to make similar things and their fan bases overlapped and eventually LeftTube kind of emerged around them. So lately there's been a bit of discourse about what LeftTube is and the problems that it has. And there is, you know, internal and external debate as far as like, you know, ContraPoints has gotten a lot of cultural cachet over the last year in terms of she's, uh, Natalie Wynn has, you know, she's been written about in the New York times. Uh, She, she kind of publicly makes, she makes a point of trying to de-radicalize the radical folks on the right. And she kind of falls under the category of like, a uh, dirtbag leftist, but I would say that she's about as far into that territory as I'm willing to go as a as a consumer. Ugh, I hate that term because there is a recent controversy that I won't go into that also spread from this, where you have a contingent of people who call themselves like dirt, the dirtbag left. Uh, and this is sort of epitomized by Chapo Trap House who, uh, these are people who are leftists making left, uh, leftist, explicitly leftist content, uh, in terms of like, uh, you know, pro-socialist, pro-communism, um, (laughs) pro-minority in a general sense. Uh, but they're making it for a group of people who aren't sensitive, quote unquote, uh, they're making it. For um, the idea is that the right has a monopoly on humor. I disagree with this uh, altogether, but uh, the idea is that the right has a monopoly on humor and humor often has to be offensive. And so the quote unquote dirtbag left is, you know, a group of people who don't so much care about offending people. Now, I don't disagree with this as an approach necessarily. I think there is value to this approach. And I think that if we are thinking about things in terms of a movement, then we have to understand that there is no one strategy that is correct, that we have to make room for different approaches. And if you disagree with somebody's approach, that's perfectly acceptable. But sometimes you do have to let bygones be bygones and say, all right, I don't agree with your tactics necessarily but what you're doing is doing something and that's not a bad thing. And that, that has its own value. The problem for me with the dirtbag left, uh, especially as it comes to a handful of like YouTubers is that they seem to use this as a smoke screen to not take criticism. And, uh, it, it, pretty, pretty universally, what this amounts to is that they, when when people on the left, people ostensibly on their side, say, "Hey, maybe don't make," did you just assume my gender jokes? Hey, maybe don't tell mentally ill people uh, to kill themselves. Uh, they they equate this criticism, which in my mind, that criticism is perfectly well, like perfectly justified. They equate that with dogpiling piling and um, cancel culture and with um, like overly political correctness, and, and, and like they feel like this is counter revolutionary in the sense that you're, you know, no, you're missing the point that what, what, uh, what I'm doing here. And what I'll say with, with that is that uh, it's fine and good to have a front where, you're not afraid to make maybe some insensitive jokes and try to be somebody who caters to a more coarse audience. The issue comes when you turn that same approach towards the people that you supposedly represent. When you, as a leftist, uh, who is actively trying to court uh, right-wing people onto your side, when you demean trans people and you think that we're being oversensitive when we're asking you to respect our pronouns or asking us to do... when when we're asking you to do any number of things, um, when you demean us that way and you laugh with the people on the right who ha- who do that same shit, if they come over to our side... They're still not on my side. They're still not with the trans people. And the fact of the matter for me is that any effective leftist movement acknowledges the fact that we're all people. We all have needs. And whether you agree with gender politics or not, uh, in terms of like being trans, being non-binary, being gender queer, being agender, any of any of these things, like. You have to be willing to respect that this is how somebody, for a lot of people, coming out and transitioning is how they radicalized. Their gender is intrinsically tied to their political ideology, and their community is wrapped up in this. I would say this is true of myself. So to say that that my identity is irrelevant in in a leftist movement is actively disqualifying my place, uh, and my understanding of leftism. And you're bringing people into the movement who carry that assumption, uh, who carry your assumption with you. And then they turn that towards me. This doesn't make my life any better. This doesn't help leftism for me. This doesn't help the world for me, for people like me. And that's a problem. That's an issue. Uh, but we got way, way, way off topic here. Uh, I didn't mean to go so f- so long on the dirtbag left. I have feelings on that, too. Uh, uh, I'm going to take another drink of coffee. So the question on everybody's lips right now is, is left tube a movement? What is left tube? And I seek to provide some insight to that question. But first... I want to tell you about a couple of podcasts on the Lunar Light Studio Network. First, I want to tell you about Mock Footage. Mock Footage is a show where Ray uh, has not seen a lot of movies, and Joe has seen many movies. So they decided to do a podcast where they watch movies together. And the idea is that before they watch a movie, and they watch like really popular movies like Jurassic Park, Pulp Fiction, movies that, like quote-unquote, everybody has seen, but Ray has not— uh, they decide to watch a movie together, but before they do, they uh, they have a conversation about what Ray thinks that movie is actually about. What happens in that movie, and uh, they come up with some wild, wild versions of popular uh, films. And then they watch the movie and they discuss what Ray got right and what Ray got very, very wrong, and also discuss uh, what they what they liked about it. Uh, it's a really fun, good. Podcast that I think um, I think is 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 quite enjoyable, and uh, you can find mock footage and you can find mock footage every Thursday on the lunar Light Studio Network or wherever you get your podcasts. The second podcast that I want to tell you about is Fish in the Percolator. Fish in the Percolator is a Twin Peaks rewatch podcast co-hosted by myself, Lily, and Eric. Lily, you would know as the YouTuber Mothcub, and Eric is the YouTuber Curio. Both are exceptionally talented YouTubers, and I am so excited to work with them on this wonderful project. So Fish in the Percolator is a Twin Peaks rewatch podcast where every episode we rewatch an episode of Twin Peaks. Uh, we're going in order, obviously, starting with the pilot of season of season one, and we're just working our way through it. And we're asking a couple of different questions. We're looking at interesting aesthetic things, uh, different performances that we'd like to highlight. And the surprise thing that we did jokingly in the first episode that has become a really, really compelling through line is asking uh, who killed Laura Palmer? Uh, Obviously, we've all watched uh, the, the show. We know who did it but we're pretending we don't to to put ourselves in the mindset of the nineties. And this has really illuminated some things about the show and has made it a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, generally speaking, the show, w- we each bring a, 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 an interesting perspective where Lily is looking for weird aesthetic details and she's an eternal shit poster. Eric is looking at very specific, like textual readings and I'm over here with just a shelf full of books about Twin Peaks, and I'm just full of pointless knowledge about um, trivia, basically. I'm the trivia queen. Anyway, you can find Fish in the Percolator every other Wednesday... On the Learn Nice to Your Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. And I know for a fact that we are up on uh, Apple Podcasts now, so it should be available everywhere you go. And I will say really quick that there is another podcast called Fish in the Percolator. Uh, we should have checked that first, but it hasn't updated in like two years. It should be fairly obvious which one is ours. Ours is the one with the cover art that's colorful. So uh, go for that one. Uh, go for the one that's updated recently. So anyway... Uh, yeah, that's the, that's that anyway, back to the show. So the question on everybody's lips is what the heck is left tube? And is it really a movement? Now we talked about the, uh, the four horsemen, I guess. Uh, and just from looking at their examples, one would be tempted to say that it is not a movement. And this is a position that Natalie Wynn has taken and I think they've all kind of come out in this regard and said, like, yeah, it's a consumer thing. It's really something that the, it's more of a, a fan community than it is a movement. My, my take on this is that that's not exactly true. Uh, I think that that's how it started. But, you know, I tr- I've been trying to do YouTube for a long time. I think since 2010, uh, I had multiple iterations of let's talk about stuff that didn't really go anywhere where I kept, I kept saying, Oh, I'm going to do it. And then I would do it. I would do an episode and then I wouldn't do any more. And it wasn't until 2016, 2017, I think. Yeah. 2017 that I like quote unquote rebooted my channel uh, for the third time, I think then. But, uh, I, I, that was when I decided to treat it like a job. And I was inspired by the likes of H. Bomber Guy, very specifically H. Bomber Guy. And I stole the way that I format my Patreon from him. And uh I, I I found his sense of humor and his like style excellent and good. And he's probably the YouTuber that has the most impact on me recently. There's a lot of others that have like more long-term impact, but like his work was inspiring to me in the sense that he was making a laughing stock of a lot of right-wing MRA douchebags, and that was that was good. And 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 he was also talking about media that he loved, and that's the sort of thing that I want to do. And so you know, I decided to reboot my my podcast kind of explicitly with the goal of emulate or sorry uh, reboot my my youtube show uh, explicitly with the goal of emulating his way of doing things and emulating that sphere and you know as, as counterpoints got more successful i started bringing more elements of that in and i even have like you know i i responded to counterpoints in in one video and in my transitioning video there's uh, very obvious influence there, I would say, uh, to the point where there's you know a dialectic that's happening. Uh, that even you know you know bad Sarah says to me like, or uh, well, I have an exchange with my bad self and we say, are you really doing the contrapoints thing? So the influence there is obvious, and I've been thinking about it in this term, uh, in this uh, in this way for a while that there is like a second generation of left tubers who were directly inspired by the work of H bomb and Contrapoints and Lindsay and Dan and Sean and so many others where they were YouTubers who were doing other things and decided to do YouTube, uh, because it, you know, it seemed like a good way to, to do that. Uh, we're people who actively emulated their approach in the hopes of making that our job. And I think that we also adopted a sort of ideological approach. And I would say like H bomber guy and, uh, uh, Natalie, Wynn, both contributed to me sort of adopting a more leftist perspective i've left philosophy tube out of this conversation i would say that his success is more recent he's an interesting thing because he's been around for a long time but i feel like uh he 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 kind of his profile rose in the last year sort of after natalie kind of blew up uh but he's he's part of it too and he has explicitly communist things like explicitly anarchist things in his videos and uh the thing that they do is that they they include leftist ideas in a in a a, a throwaway way. I, I, that's maybe not the best way to put it. but they're talking about one thing, but they use that as an excuse to sort of jokingly make reference to communism, socialism, a- anarchism, and the idea is to normalize these ideas. So even Lindsay Ellis, who I wouldn't necessarily say is like the most leftist of, of them, even in her videos, uh, where she, she generally tends to stick to just straight, straight up and down media analysis. She still makes reference to the fact that like capitalism fucks everything up. And there maybe isn't a, 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 a long discussion of what, that means or or like what the proof is. But the idea, again, is not to have that discussion in that particular video. The idea is to normalize the idea that this is a thing that we all know and talk about. And like I do the same thing. I've made it a point that no matter what my videos might be about, I want to include reference to the fact that I'm transgender. Partially, this is to try to avoid misgendering in the comments or at least to Make it so that anybody who does misgender me is doing so on purpose, and therefore I can just block them without having to think about it. Uh, and I also try to, to put in reference to the fact that capitalism is bad, that communism is good, and that that's our solution to a lot of the problems that we're facing. In my uh, Politics of the McElroy video, one, a very early statement that I make before I even get into the analysis is uh, capitalism, I think we can all agree, is, is bad and should be abolished. And the point is, you know, there was a number of comments from people saying, like, I disagree with that notion altogether. I don't think we do all agree that capitalism is bad and should be abolished. And that's kind of the point is like I'm I'm jokingly making the assertion that everybody agrees with this to help create a sense that there is a consensus, I guess. And uh, the the degree to which that might that can be said to be successful is is debatable. Uh, But the point is that the, the there is a strategy at play with regards to like leftist content, where we're we're uh, generally speaking, when I think of a left tube video, I'm thinking of somebody who uses popular media as a way of discussing something more deep, something more sociological. Um, now obviously this has shifted. Uh, there are other people. There are people who do explicitly like, Today, we're talking about Kropotkin. Today, we're talking about Marx. Uh, And there are other people who are lumped into left tube that I don't necessarily think fit the bill. And I guess let's get into that as soon as I take another sip of my coffee. Mm, 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 mm. Mm, mm, mm. Got to top that off. Warm that... Warm up that good black bean juice. Gotta get that stuff. Uh, gotta keep it. Gotta keep it warm. My girl. My girlfriend pointed out to me. Uh, this is apropos of coffee that um, hot coffee is good and cold coffee is good, but lukewarm coffee, no thanks. And uh, I tend to agree. Mm. Now that's the stuff. So yeah, I would say. That when we get to people who don't necessarily uh, deserve, quote unquote, the moniker of left tube, is where we start to understand the weakness of the label. So there are YouTubers that I would say are like um, Sean as somebody who does very dry political videos. But what he does is... I wouldn't say necessarily explicitly leftist so much as he is somebody who is generally on the left, but his videos are more taking apart the arguments of right wing assholes and just sort of like debunking them. And I think that that's that's a valuable thing to do, but it is not necessarily challenging the audience to look at things from a more leftist perspective. And here's where we get into the the, the the more problematic aspect of like, how do we understand this? Because you have people like Jenny Nicholson and uh, Jack Saint, I would say, like he, he and like Big Joel, uh, maybe Jack Saint less so, but yeah, definitely Big Joel and, and a handful of others who often like their videos get posted on BreadTube and they are uh they they're sort of lumped into this category, and the thing is that I don't see their stuff as necessarily explicitly leftist. I think that they often espouse uh left leaning politics, and they they explore things from a more you know left leaning way, but they are more traditional straight up and down media analysis. And then, you know, taking that criticism to heart, when you look back at the likes of H-Bomber Guy uh, and, and, and Natalie when you start to wonder, like, to what degree are they actually, like, avowed leftists? And that's where we start to understand that LeftTube, in a lot of ways, is not a movement. It is a consumer category, because what we're really doing is we're not describing creators who make leftist YouTube videos. We're describing people that we like who generally fall into the leftist sphere. But we have to understand that this goes from a uh, doesn't think that People of color should be in camps to like full on anarchist. So for basically anywhere that isn't the United States, left tube includes people who are in the center and even like a little bit further to the right, because you have to remember that in America our like sense of what is left and what is right to the rest of the world is like exceptionally skewed. Like The Democratic Party is center right, you know? So that's where these where it gets kind of complicated uh, in terms of like categorizing left tubers. but th- really, this is all semantics. It's not all that interesting. I don't know how useful this conversation really is because when we're comparing notes between uh left tube and let's call it the the, the, the right tube Right tube, I guess. I I don't know. The YouTube of the right. Where a lot of the people that are of the same kind of popularity of like H bomb and contrapoints. These are people that are funded by like the Koch brothers. These are people that have uh, huge donors that are getting them like access to sets and they have like crews working for them. Whereas people on the left, we're mostly doing shit on our own. And that's an odd contradiction in in terms, because leftism is about cooperation. We are for cooperating with each other and building a better world together, because that's the only way that it's possible, but... YouTube is emphasizes singularity. It emphasizes individuality. When you have a channel uh that is Lindsay Ellis, that is ContraPoints, You're looking for the perspective of Lindsay Ellis, Natalie Wynn, H bomber guy, Dan Olson. Other people might work with them, but Generally speaking, it's 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 all them, and like even with the amount of money that uh, Natalie Wynn makes, who I would say is the most is probably the most financially successful in that sphere, she still generally works alone. She still generally does everything herself, which fucking astounds me, and I have in the past been critical of this fact, and I do think that more successful left tubers should work to hire more people to help them get the job done Uh, but it's hard to criticize that understanding the fact that well-paid quote-unquote youtubers uh, on the left are still like nowhere near the level of paid that uh, people on the right are because they have corporate donors we do not have this and even somebody at Natalie's level of success, she can't afford a full crew because people people cost money. This shit's expensive. A, a budget of a million dollars or more is considered in Hollywood low for a feature film that shoots over the course of maybe 30 days. That a, a million dollars is considered like a low. The idea of making a movie on like one hundred thousand dollars. Fucking miraculous, and borders on labor exploitation because people have to work their asses off to make that happen. And those are usually like products of a lot of love. And I've worked on productions that are like that. And it's like we all took pay cuts because we were there working with friends, and and this was very much like paying off favors, I guess. And you know, in uh, in in the leftist sphere, like. I want to be able to hire people. I want to get somebody to do my captions uh, to help me with research. I want to collaborate more, but I I'm still doing this on my own and I can barely pay my fucking bills. And I, I am in a, at a moment in time where because I had a three month absence, my Patreon earnings did dip. I am amazed that it didn't dip more than it did. And now that I've released a video, I've had a little trickle of a few more people come in, but it's I haven't recovered what I've lost. And uh, that speaks, of course, to the inherent instability of making u- internet content in a general sense. Um, Where the fuck was I? Hold on a second. The point is that it's hard to criticize successful left tubers for not hiring people because even if Contrapoints has the budget to hire one or two people, that's she's that's still like razor thin margins, and she's also somebody like this. We don't our our income is not taxed. Patreon does not take taxes out, so we have to factor in the fact that at the beginning of the of the year. We've got to pull the ta- pull taxes out of our income if we've made above a certain threshold. I'm going to have to do that this upcoming year, and I'm fucking terrified because uh, I, I don't I don't make enough to to have any kind of savings. So I don't I don't I don't know where that's going to leave me. <laughs> and there's also the fact that that's doubly complicated because so many of us make our income from weird sources we don't have a traditional income we make our living from donations we do we have Kofi, so people like throw money at us we do twitch live streams or youtube live streams where people make donations uh or like super chat do so they throw bits at us or they subscribe on twitch uh and like twitch at least when you reach affiliate makes you sign a w2 type thing so that's nice and when you when you reach a certain threshold on Patreon, the same is true there, but it's still when it comes to filing your taxes, it's not easy to navigate. Already taxes are not easy to navigate if you're self-employed. But we're not even self-employed to the sense of like we have traditional invoices. We just got people throwing money at our fucking PayPal accounts. So that that makes it complicated. Uh we don't have savings. We don't have benefits. We don't have vacation paid vacation time of any sort. We have no protections whatsoever. We are not YouTube employees. We are according to them uh independent contractors. So there's we have no there we have no control over this platform that is how we make our income. Uh I've I've I worry sometimes with the, the like the, the fucked up things that have happened on YouTube, where, you know, the various apocalypses, at what point does Google decide that th- they are losing more than they're gaining and like so many of their products, they just decide to throw it in the trash. The amount of capital you need to build something like YouTube is impossible for anyone to make today. So if they just decide to throw YouTube in the garbage—and I don't think this is likely, but it is a possibility—what the fuck do I do? I've been a YouTuber full-time now for, for like, a year and some change. I haven't had a traditional job in a hot minute. What the fuck fuck do we do? Uh, That's scary. So, of course— you want to kind of hoard your wealth because we don't have labor protections. There is no there. there is a YouTuber union, but it is still small, still in the process of getting shit from YouTube. And it, it, it's hard to understand. We have to completely reconceptualize what labor organization even looks like in the 21st century, because fucking. We're all independent contractors. None of us are employees, in the eyes of the law. And like when it comes to YouTube, how do you go on strike? Because there's always going to be people posting shit on YouTube. And, and people on the left, people like me, we post like one video a month at best. How do you go on strike when that's your labor output? when there are people on the right who do multiple videos a day, who don't have the same level of like quality care that we do. So there's a lot of big questions. And I think all of us in the left tube sphere are generally speaking, pretty left leaning, some of us more so than others. And I think we all get behind unionization and we want we we want the basics at this point. We want debt forgiveness, health care for all, uh, better mass public transportation. But when it comes to ourselves, even when we're successful, there is this fear that we are standing on fundamentally unstable ground. And that means that we have to take care of ourselves. We have to. Uh, we, we have to kind of hoard our own wealth and keep it to ourselves because tomorrow our income might be gone and the life that we've built over the last, you know, five or six years will just disappear. And that's scary. So the question becomes... The, the way this is we have to understand that all of this is a function of the platform. All this is a function of capitalism as it exists today, where there is no social safety net anymore. There is no tax incentive for being an untraditional employee. There is there, the, the, the result is that we are not uh, we're essentially punished for doing what we're doing. Uh, for 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 being entrepreneurs, essentially, uh, that that means like, we're 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 trapped to an extent by the system. Where no matter the ideas that we espouse, we're still stuck without uh, kind of like going against our own morals. We on the left often like I'm thinking about doing merch. I don't I don't like that. I don't like the fact that I might have to do that, but I need the money because I'm barely making enough to pay my bills. I, I don't have anything to save. I'm worried about what will happen come tax season. Uh, I don't have insurance. So I can't, I like my, uh, my fucking medications are upwards of a hundred bucks a month. So the way that you contradict the, the way that you counteract that is by creating a system, like ideally We would lobby for some sort of like government protection. There would be more ways for us to protect ourselves. Uh, The thing thing is that communism inherently is, is about risk. We have to be willing to put our necks on the line in order to make any kind of movement. And that is fucking terrifying because... I'm transgender. Natalie's transgender. A lot of people are marginalized, uh, come from low-income backgrounds. A lot of us do other shit. This is not what we intended to do with our lives. We're just here. And it's difficult to know what to do. And when you found it's so hard and so unfair how you find success making stuff on the internet... That when you do, when you're lucky enough that you have found that success, you know, you're constantly terrified of fucking it up, of doing something that removes that support. Because nobody wants to go back to working a a full-time job. Nobody wants to go back to doing the same awful shit. We got into this specifically because traditional capitalist jobs are unfulfilling. This is a thing that we want to do. There's a part of me that sees Natalie Wynn tweeting about what is left tube and and she describes it as like it's not a movement it's a consumer category and I agree to an extent but it's starting to ring a lot to me like when John Stewart or Stephen Colbert or uh, John Oliver say I'm not a journalist I'm a comedian the problem like th- Maybe that's true, in a in a in a purely uh, a, a a purely like categorical sense, they are not. They didn't go to journalism school. Uh, they're comedians, but the fact of the matter is that they make their living doing political content, and they do investigative journalism that is what last week tonight does they investigate shit they 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 did. they do journalism that's just a fact how good it is is debatable and i have i don't i don't watch any of them anymore and i should have included samantha b in there um i don't watch those shows much anymore because the thing is they want the social cachet of making political content for the 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 generally left leaning sphere but they're still like they're still pro capitalist you know they're not they're not they're not they're they're, they're again they're center right at best often uh and their thing is they say we need Medicare for all. We need this. We need that. Uh, this is a problem. and their call to action is, here's a hashtag. Here's a shirt you can buy. Here's a hat you can buy. Why don't you do? like occasionally they'll have something that has some tangible effect in the terms of like mass calling the FCC. But generally speaking, what those shows do, is they point out a problem and they say, wow, isn't that a problem? That sucks. Don't you feel better knowing that it's a problem and that you agree that it's a problem? You're so much better than those other people who are racist and sexist and homophobic. You've already won. You're already superior because you disagree with them. And that's all you need to do. Tweet about it. You know, tweet about it. Use our hashtag. Go buy a shirt that says, uh, I'm a nasty woman or what the fuck ever. That isn't direct action. That is capitalism. That is using the, the alienation that we all feel at, at, at this moment in time to sell more merch. And the thing that frightens me is, is the fact that a lot of people on, on YouTube are doing the same thing. Natalie Wynn makes stuff that is explicitly very leftist, often. Uh, and uh, th- th- there are I have issues with some of her stuff. I know a lot of people have have issues with some of her stuff, but when she denies that she's part of something, she's saying, in a general sense, "I don't have this responsibility." And the argument that people make. And the argument that I have made in the past is that she didn't ask for that responsibility. But she has it. Jon Stewart had it. Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, Samantha B, they have that responsibility whether they asked for it or not. And to an extent, they did ask for it because they went on YouTube. They made this shit with the, with the explicit purpose of it being seen. John Oliver went to HBO, pitched this show. It got big. He asked. Four, the responsibility. With like Jon Stewart, with the Daily, with the old Daily Show, with the Colbert Report, there is an argument to be made that they did not expect to find the success that they did. And the degree to which that their politics were at all good is exceptionally debatable. It doesn't. It has not aged well. But for somebody like for, for somebody like John Oliver, this conversation is is over a decade old. For for him, like he's been part of like for him to say, I'm not a journalist, I'm a comedian and nobody should get their news from me. The fact is that people do because the news is absolutely demoralizing. Yesterday, there were two mass shootings in this country and it's the same cycle over and over and over again. And it feels like the world is falling apart and you just want somebody to deliver the news to you in a way that lets you laugh for a minute that does not the, the the presence of laughter does not absolve you of the responsibility of actually trying to make the world a better place. I feel very strongly i I, I have sympathy for Natalie Witt and for h bomber guy and for all of these people who are who didn't who didn't ask for this and who are in a position of of incredibly fragile financial success. But the fact is that they hold a position, whether they asked for it or not, of being the four horsemen of LeftTube, of being the avatars of a pro-communist movement that is popular on the internet, that is spreading leftist ideas, however milquetoast some of them may be. There has to be more to it than just selling shirts than just tweeting about it and I've thought about this for a while um there are there are a couple of other youtubers uh uh Angie speaks and uh Peter coffin who started the diverse leftist incubator I think it is uh and and I am for that idea, except their, their approach is that they're using the money that they, that they have for that as a way of, of paying for equipment uh, for people who are trying to get into making more leftist content, but maybe don't necessarily have the ability to do so. And that's valuable because equipment is a big barrier, but equipment is a tool. It is not the expertise. What is more valuable is something that is much more difficult, and that is uh, apprenticeship. That is tutoring. That is fostering people to, to, to do this even better, to bring them under your wing and bring them into the movement and not just—it's not, not enough to just give somebody the equipment they still need to pay their fucking bills they still need to be able to know how to do it effectively there needs to be in my one of the solutions that i've thought about is that we create our own uh our own like collectivist uh, we we create our own collective that maybe has its own patreon that's funded by like, the, like we we treat it like a union in the sense that your income, you, you pay dues essentially to be to be part of the union. <clears throat> and maybe there is a there is a minimum of membership, but maybe people who are more successful are incentivized to contribute more. And the idea is <clears throat> like a traditional union. This is this money is used to support people when they are, say, demonetized by YouTube or their stuff is removed for being politically radical. Uh, to support them when they decide to go on strike, if such a thing were to ever happen. To support uh, publicity campaigns for like unionization efforts. There's any number of things that, that like, to support lobbyists to 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 to, to work. Again, this is all like we're we're stuck in a capitalist hellscape. We have to use the tools that we have to in the short term to find ways of making the world a better place. And unfortunately, that doesn't mean that money is speech. And I hate that that's the case, but it's the fucking case. And refusing to acknowledge that we're part of something. Or to to say that we're not part of something and absolve the responsibility that you might have to try to make something is irresponsible to me. And that's the issue. That's the thing. I, I don't know that I have a, like, I don't know that I have a solution. I don't know that I have a point. Ultimately, I don't know that I have a culminating idea here. I think that more YouTubers could Advocate direct action I've tried to do this in my game of the year list video. I talked about how instead of talking about a game that you know everybody knows was uh made th- for, through labor exploitation, we should just not talk about it or if we have to talk about it because it's part of our jobs never not mention the fact that it was it was made through exploited labor and always promote unionization efforts um just never shut up about the fact that that the games industry needs to be unionized. Uh, generally speaking, like, that's not enough, but it's something. And I try to advocate as much as I can for some level of direct action, for some level of more than just feeling away. And I don't know how successful I've been in this regard. I need, I can do better. I don't know how successful most people have been. And I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know what the solution is. But the fact is that right now, we're there is no left tube community. I I I have talked to a handful of people, you know. Uh I've communicated a little bit with H. guy to get him to do um, you know, I've been on stream with him a couple of times, uh, with a bunch of other people. And there's never been a one-on-one conversation between us besides when i was asking him to record stuff for our uh, post donkey kong stream uh, episode of this podcast there is no like the, there is no standard of ethics there is no community group chat or what the fuck ever some of us are friends some of us aren't and We don't have a feeling that we're all doing the same thing. We're all just individuals kind of making similar shit. And we say, dang, YouTube sure needs a union movement. If only someone would do that. If only someone would do that. But it's not my responsibility. I'm not the right person for that job. And maybe this has been part of why I haven't done as much as I could have been, because I don't feel like I'm the right person for that job. But there is no right person for the job because it's not a singular thing. No one should be the figurehead of a collectivist movement. It should be a group. You can have a spokesperson. You can have somebody who is good at talking to the media, but they, they can't be the sole advocate. It is a group effort. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We can do better. We have to do better. It has to be more than just commentary. It has to be more than just media criticism. There is a place for that. I enjoy doing that. But if we really want to make the world a better place, if we, with the social capital that we have, want to affect any kind of change. We have to be willing to put our livelihood on the line, and we have to be willing to support each other when that happens. We have to create and advocate for an infrastructure to allow for that support in the first place so that we can encourage more people to put their livelihood on the line in favor of a better world for all of us. Somebody has to do that. We have to do that together. This needs to be a conversation that we're all having together. I don't know. I just, I feel very strongly that we're not doing enough. And I, maybe this is part of why it's taken me so long to release a new video, is that I've wanted to do better and I don't know how. I'm I'm stuck in this space of feeling that on the one hand, People like my things, people like my videos, they like my podcasts, and they like what they like. my perspective, they like what I have to say. But on the other hand, I want to do more. I don't want to just be talking about other people's art all, my whole life. I want to make my own, and I want to try to advocate for a better world. I want to, I don't know, I want to bring bigger ideas into the stuff that I'm making. And I don't, know there isn't a model for how to do that yet. And that's what we should we should be working on is trying to build a model for that so that we can have more of a movement. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I have. a I, I don't think that there is a conclusion to this because this is an ongoing conversation. And part of that does involve uh, being supportive of marginalized identities means respecting people's pronouns means. Recognizing when you have privilege, being willing to take criticism, to not think that you're God's gift to the movement. Ugh, subtweeting somebody here. Um, no, not one of the people that I've mentioned. Just to be clear. Anyway, this episode's gone on for a long time, a uh, little bit long, and I don't know that we're going to make any more head ground, uh, headway here. Uh, I just want to say that. For now, look up the YouTube Workers Union. I believe that's what they're called. Let me actually look this shit up. Uh, let's see. YouTube Union. No. Oh. YouTubers Union. Yeah, is that it? The YouTubers Union? Uh, YouTubers Union. Yes. The YouTubers Union. Uh, look that up. Find ways to support them. Um, look up uh like game workers unite the internet creators guild find people if you have a little bit of money that you need that, that, that you can spare um find people who are disadvantaged who need support because no matter what we have to pay our bills we have to pay our medical expenses we have to feed ourselves if we are not able to do that, we are not able to create leftist content. That's just a fact. If I can't pay my bills, I got to get a day job again. And that means that my time that I, would be spend, that I would spend doing research or working on more videos is spent doing pointless labor that I don't enjoy, that, that is emotionally and physically taxing. And I come home and I don't have the mental resources to get back to work on the shit that I actually want to do. That's true for everybody maslow's hierarchy of needs that's my suggestion i guess um support me if you can i appreciate it but there are people who need it more than i do and i don't know i just think we can do better and uh, i want to i want to try to do better and that's going to do it for us today if you have questions, thoughts, comments, etc., uh, if you have your own like suggestions about what I've been talking about, send me an email at transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com or send an anonymous message over at curiouscat.me slash transquestioning. Uh, if you want updates about this podcast, go to uh, twitter.com slash c slash podcast. We're at TransQ Podcast. I should have just said that. Uh, my Twitter is at HMSNoFun. Uh, if you like what I do and you want to support me making more, why not go to Patreon.com slash L-T-A-S and uh, throw some money my way. The Trans Podcast is uh, proudly hosted uh, by the Lunar Light Studio Network. And um, I, I, I would say that if you also have money, you should support us uh, at Lunar Light HQ on patreon.com. I think it's patreon.com slash Light HQ, where the money that you give goes to uh, keeping the lights on for the entire network. And, you know, we, the part of the reason why we promote each other's podcasts uh, is that some of us have more, uh, more success than others. Mine is one of the more successful on the network. And I'm happy to give a, a little bit more of a profile to other people making, making podcasts. And a lot of us are, queer and people of color and uh uh that money goes to paying us paying uh, the more that the more that gets made on the patreon the more that all of us get paid uh for our work and we're still figuring out how to do that but the lunar light studios run as a collective nobody is the boss we are all in it together and uh There are other ways there's, uh, uh, if you want me to do a shout out in the ad break for you personally or your business, you can go to, uh, lunarlightstudio.com and click on the tab that says incoming transmissions to find out about how to do more, uh, find out more about how to do that. I guess, uh, I think that's it. I think that's all of the, 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 the shilling that I have to do. Thank you, as always, for listening to my podcast. I hope that you all have a pleasant day, week, and um, I hope that we can come together in conversation and try to work to make collective action more of a thing. All right. This has been an episode of the podcast. Have a good one. See you next time. Lunar Light Studio Pretty, witty, and gay